brass clock. Look who the fuck is back. People are always saying about the talk and I talk and I talk and I talk, but guess fucking what? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy is such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight, and that fucking guy comes up to you. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wokecast. Now, at long last, it's been ever so slightly delayed. The astounding, bedazzling, brilliant, breathtaking, classy, compelling, eclipsing, flawless, <laughs> first-rate sister from another mister. Yes. She's back on Woe TV. G from Woe TV. That's correct. I like that, Mike. There was just so many wonderful things right there for me. And yes, I am back. How are you? Busy. It's been good um, in terms of uh, for the last, what, four, no, three and a bit months I've been on furlough. So essentially, um, from my main job, I've been, well, busting my ass with um, Woe TV. We've got the cooking show running nearly every week now with uh, a cheating vegan shout out to yes. a cheating vegan she's uh, bringing in the numbers we've got the um daily um news views and interviews on the website and um the podcasts have gone from just once a week to i think i'm running them three times a week now My so goodness, yeah yes. speaking of which amazing to have you back but you are also jumping in the hot seat with us and that is me kairos and Chisanga every single Wednesday as well. So just to give viewers, or oh, viewers, listeners a head up, heads up on that. Yes, I cannot wait. Wednesdays is going to be pure madness. I'm happy to be. <laughs> it is. I cannot wait. <laughs> I have to say a big shout out to uh, Chisanga and and Kairos for holding it down whilst yes. keeping away. We've had some wars here. Um, not as big a, a war as you and I usually have, but wars nonetheless. And um, those two really bought it. They really, really um, bought some energy. Um, but it's good to have you back in the hot well, seat. I'm glad they bring the energy, Mike, because, you know, I'm about to bring even more. So I'm glad they were practicing because, <laughs> like, the beefing and the wars are probably going to get worse. And I can't wait. And, yes, I am back. Um, unfortunately, my family suffered a loss um, during this COVID-19 pandemic, so I lost an adopted parent. Yeah, I was parent. really, really sorry yeah, to hear that. Yeah, so I had to take some time off and, um, you know, um, grieve and um, get back to being myself a bit. So here I am, and thank you for everyone that sent well wishes, cards, DMs, texts, and everything, and including you, Mike, and everybody from World TV. I appreciate the condolences. And I'm ready to get back to things, Mike. What's, what's going on? You know what? I think it'd be kind of remiss of me to kind of not mention or have you mention some of the things whilst you were away that kind of like caught your eye I know you had sort of a peripheral um, view of things in terms of you know um, not necessarily finger on the pulse but you know there were, were some things surely that like caught your notice what were the what are the things if you could point to any um, that I'm watching fighting during a global pandemic that would be one of them because I think <laughs> <laughs> last time we spoke we were just kind of like worried about how it was going to go down and all the protocols in place and um, Dana actually pulled it off there were some uh, you know issues and uh, some things going on and some people did test positive but we are watching MMA live and weekly and the show is back on I believe we've been discussing something called Fight Island Mike that's mm, something mm. that I've that's caught my eye and we've but hold on a skirt I'm wondering from your perspective was I mean 2020 vision uh hindsight um and all of that but do you think their call was right considering how pleased people are with the new normal and that is look at the state of um well play here the UFC are well they've got more eyes on their product surely than they have before because being the only game in town but as well as that I mean, it does ease us back into normality somewhat, doesn't it? But I'm interested in your perspective. Do you think the call was right um, for them to actually, you know, well, try and resume some kind of business as usual? Um, I think now 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure, Mike. I'm still stuck on the fence because I like that the fighters are safe. And even when some fighters did test, they put some protocols in place to kind of make sure things don't fall apart too much and that it's safe and yada yada. But I also just think about other people that maybe don't have access to tests and things like that. And these guys are not essential workers. But then I also struggle with the fact that they also need to get paid. So... I don't know. I'm happy to see MMA again, and I'm happy that Dana was able to pull it off quite safely. And I think uh, Fight Island is a great idea for international fighting. You know, mm. I think it has to be done regardless of how folks like it. You know, whether it's in Abu Dhabi or whether it really is an island or whether it's in Norway, we need it. I was about to you say, do you, do you think we were kind of sold a pop on, you know, all the merchandising, all of the um, Twitter conversations that. Um, um, social media was abuzz with the idea of this being an island. It's quite a romanticised view because obviously now we find out that it's not actually a remote island. Did you feel as though you were slightly robbed there? Yeah, a little bit. And then I quickly got over it because I realised that what else are we going to do when we have to have international <laughs> fights? <laughs> if we don't have international fights, we're going to rotate the same American fighters. And don't forget, fighters are injured. There's suspensions. There's, you know, we need replacements. And also, we can't just neglect our international fighters and where they place in the rankings. And some of them hold titles. So, you know, we have to get this going, Mike. So we got to settle for what we have and deal with the bootleg Abu Dhabi fight island. You know, but Dana did say it was still going to be on a beach. Bootleg. Yeah, it's bootleg, but Dana, you know. Cause Fugazi. Fugazi fight island. It is. It's, it's a little Fugazi. It's a little bootleg because, you know, like Khabib and Dustin already kind of fought there. It looked really hot. People were sweating and stuff, and it was like in an arena. So it's like, is it on a beach or what? But who cares? Let's just fly some people out, and let's make sure no one gets COVID-19, and let's watch the fights, you know? <laughs> I think I think I might have some T-shirts made actually for Gazy Island. <laughs> <laughs> right, for Gazy Island, but I'm still in there, Dana. You know, it's a little for Gazy, but we we still we're still gonna watch. You know. <laughs> oh man, well we've got a pretty packed show in terms of what we're gonna actually be running down today. I mean, I'm gonna center really on UFC on ESPN Blades versus Volkov, but as well as that, take some listener. Um, mail which returns because of you you bought the fire you bought the actual uh, boys to the yard as it were speaking of boys to the yard um, yesterday's card picked or started off with um, Austin Hubbard versus Mac Rojkoff um, first off before we even let me just rewind before we even get to this item this card in itself I have to say top to bottom fantastic loved it i was really up for it and i stayed up for the prelims oh what oh my <laughs> you are on your best behavior because you knew i was coming back you were like let me watch every goddamn prelim work gina's gonna curse you me know out. what you know what yeah you, you've hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah austin hubbard versus mac rochecoff what did you think um I thought Max came in, um, I believe he was a late replacement, and it kind of showed. Mm. I mean, it was brilliant that he won the first round, and I was all for it. And then I loved the exchanges, the scramble from the ankle lock to a leg lock, and, and you know, his ground game looked pretty tight, but he gassed out, and then Austin started to find his rhythm, and also he started to beat the shit out of Max, and Max didn't really want mm -hmm. any more. And, Mike, did you notice the controversy in the corner? Max wanted out. His coach said, nah, you're going to wrestle this guy. And you know, you know what? I think it's only right that we bring in the actual audio because oh, yes. whilst it is an uncomfortable listen, I think it will contextualize what, you know, effectively is the beginning of the end for him. Because when you think about it, yeah, you're right. It was his UFC debut, and that is Max Rochkoff's um, UFC debut. He came in. Um, unbeaten, 5-0. Now, I had a look at his background. I had a look um, of the caliber of fighter that he was actually up against before he came in here. Obviously, being on the regional circuit, this was the first time that really, in terms of caliber of opponent, that he had a massive step up. He came in 5-0, like I say. Now, of the four fights that he had, all of them, all four fights were um, first-round submissions. So think about this. Of the five fights he's had, only 
one of them has come out of the first round. So he's had four first round submissions. Now, the one which actually um, came out as a two-round um, submission victory for him, um, again, the caliber of opponent, mm, not on UFC caliber or on uh, UFC level. But now, now do the maths on this. He's never seen a third round. He's always had things his way. He is obviously a, a wrestling phenom, mm -hmm. stroke uh, jiu-jitsu yeah. um, phenom, in that everything that he's done up until now has been going his way. He's been um, driving in terms of um, pace, in terms of wins. So that's four first round submissions, one um, which went to second round. Now, to be honest with you, you could see that you know, the way in which he was kind of like gingerly throwing out those left hooks, the way that he was actually throwing out those kicks, um, it, it really looked as though that was a new addition to his arsenal. Obviously, you know, having looked at the footage, um, you don't really have that much to go on, but it doesn't seem as though that was ingrained into his fight game. So when, like you say, he was in his corner with Robert Drysdale, mm -hmm. Now, this for me, this was after a really promising first round because he came out, you could see that he was game oh, yeah. really calmly against the, the fence before, mm -hmm. you know, he, he actually um, touched gloves. Yeah. But you could quite clearly see in the second round he was being terrorised. I mean, essentially... Oh, yeah. Um, the shots were flushed you do the, to his face, Mike. Exactly, yes. exactly. Not only that, flush shots to the body, yes. 58 significant strikes from Austin Hubbard right. and he only landed 17 out of those two rounds so it was an absolute like you know one-sided right. beatdown, especially in the in the second and it, now you could see the moment where the air where the the the, the terror kind of like right. you know came into his face body he, shots like that like deplete a, your energy and your yes. gas tank they, t they exactly. take the wind right out of you. And Mike, also, please take into consideration that this is like also the coronavirus Olympics right now. Fighters are fighting during mm. a pandemic. We don't know where they're training, whether it's in a garage or if they live in a state that has the gym open and they can actually train with people or whether they're just outside running outside. We don't know what's going on. Exactly. COVID-19 has yeah. disrupted everyone's life from mine to yours to these fighters. So we really don't know how they've trained. And I think I, I've seen it in other fighters as well. So you got to take that into consideration. And he's a late replacement, you know. You know what, again, for context before, you know, we actually go into mm -hmm what actually happened in the corner and what Robert Drysdale was advising him on. I think it's only right that we play the audio. So uh, let me just cue that up as we speak. Over here. Nice. Right, we got this, champ. Call it. Listen, listen. Call it. Huh? You're gonna beat this guy. Listen, we got this. No, listen. No, we got this, Max. Stop it. Stop it. We got this. Okay, breathe. Okay, catch your breath. We're gonna beat this guy. Call Keep it at our feet. You're gonna clinch. No. Call. Call. You sure you want to lose, Max? Yeah. We got this, Max. No, we got this, Max. You're a champion. I don't have it. You're champion. Stop it. I don't have it. Stop it. You're a fucking champion. You're a fucking champion. We're gonna call. Finish this round on top of it. Make the decision. Okay. Get on top of him. I'll wrestle him. We got this. Hey, come here. Do you want to continue your fight? Okay, that's it. That's it. So we are back live and Max Now, in all honesty, I counted, and, you know, whilst we were you know sat listening to that i counted it was nine times that he said the words call it now forget about you know i can't do this i'm not i i don't want to go out there forget those words or words to those effects right. he said nine times look call, call it. it call it now i understand where you know as a coach Robert Drysdale is coming from. I mean, he he's there to motivate his man. You know, he's there to pick him up. He's there to actually put a bit of pep in his stride. But do you think he was right what he was doing, like sending him out after that 
basic emphatic um, s- series of the words, no, I'm, I don't want to do this. Well, here's the thing. Initially, I thought he was wrong, and I called for his firing on Twitter. You know, I went to straight bird mode. I was just like, I'm going to tweet about this from my chest all emotionally. Yeah. And then, of course, my compadres from MMA Twitter that actually fucking train, like Jamie and a few others, are like, Gina, that's what coaches are supposed to do. And I, I agree yeah. with them somewhat, but here's where I'm going to add a little twist. I do believe a coach is supposed to test his fighter and be like, listen, give it all you got. Let's try again. Like, that is what he's supposed to do. He was taking a lot of damage, but this wasn't like his teeth were falling out like Anthony Smith damage. But here's Mm -hmm. the twist. When your fighter says nine fucking times that he can't fight, you get your ass up and you tell the referee that. It's not the fighter's job to tell the referee that. He said it nine times. You've tried to motivate him. He doesn't want to do your fucking job. Get up and just tell the ref he doesn't want to fight. You know, like it's not his job to get off the stool and and, and tell the, the damn ref that he doesn't want to fight. I get that the guy wants to motivate him, but I found that to be unprofessional. You know, it's his, it was his choice. So just do it for him. And you're the messenger. Like when a fighter quits, he doesn't throw in his own towel. He doesn't reach for it while he's getting the shit beat out of him, grab the towel and throw it in. The coach doesn't. So if he's telling you he wants to quit, you must make him, you you must quit for him. It's, it's your job. So, you know, you know, what's really interesting. I went the other way. My initial response was, yeah, you're damn right. He should get right out there. And and what, why is he quitting on his stool? This isn't what UFC debuts are supposed to be about. This is the big league. And then I was like, pause. And I re-listened to the audio. Mm-hmm. Now, when you count the amount of times, nine times he said, call it. And then you add up the other references where he was saying, look, coach, I don't want to go out right. there. It's negligent of Drysdale to then try and push him out there. I do agree that it's his job um, to actually motivate, to inspire, to get him back on track. To test him, to test him too. Like, are you really, like, is this you panicking? Or is this the guy that I know that can take this and wrestle him? The answer is to wrestle. And if you listen, he says, we can wrestle him, we can do it. That's his job to do that for his fighter. And remember, Mm. his teeth are not falling out. It's not like, oh, mercy, he's dying. It was more like, man, he's getting his ass kicked. But yes. you see the difference? And that's the yeah. thing. Mm. And that, that's the thing. He was getting his ass kicked in the second. Mm-hmm. And you could see the very moment. It was when that hook um, hit the connected flush to the body where his face, like, just deadpan, just like, it was like his right. spirit left his body because after then well after that time there was no defense it was just like he was coming forward as as though he was some kind of like you know practice dummy and it was just like it yeah it 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 was a one-sided practice dummy session in that it was almost as though he was being brought in for um Austin Hubbard to to beat up upon because Mike he had decided that the fight was over and he wanted to tell his coach that and that's I think it's his decision to do that it's the coach's job to find out if this isn't him breaking or panicking and if, if that he can't really do this nine times and the poor kid having to get up and do it himself to me is where I have a problem he keeps telling you no Mm. call it and also too there are other factors involved that me and you probably don't know about but maybe the coach does how was his training before this he's a late replacement he could get hurt out there and he doesn't have the gas for it stop the fight you know exactly you know what I think's the worst thing though you can say in the heat of the moment that you know Drysdale was acting on instinct his job is a coach but in the cold light of day I was reading an interview with him um, and this was in the locker room now you would imagine that sufficient time has actually surpassed or passed where he'd you know probably have a little bit of self-reflection was that the right call you know what he said he doubled down on it he said I would have been more emphatic if I, I could do that all over again I would be more insistent I couldn't believe what I was reading based on what I said to start with and that is look in the second round he was done in the cage so when he got to the stall he'd already quit so why would you send him out there for another beating when your man was already saying literally and figuratively i'm done call it i mean i'm not really surprised the guy still wants him to fight if it was up to him he'd still be fighting overnight right now (laughs) so i'm not you know like i'm not really surprised that he's like no i saw nothing wrong like clearly your own fighter had to quit on his own like um, what do you get paid for like (laughs) what do you do but yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all, you know. And and and, hmm. and also too, I'm learning that 
you know, I don't coach, I don't fight, and they, they see things differently from us. Like when Anthony Smith's um, teeth were falling out, we all were like, stop the fight, stop the fight. The next day, Anthony Smith gets goes on an interview and he shits on all of us. Like, mind your business. I don't pay him to stop the fight. And you're just like, damn, you know what I mean? Like, But you see, that was spot on. He was in control of the fight. He was yeah. dictating whether he went out there. This is totally different. This guy was saying, I don't want to go out there, coach. Don't send me out there. Yeah, I mean, it was almost quit. like you begging. Yeah, he was. It wasn't like he was. And that coach was like, no, nah, you're going out there and you're going to get killed and you're going to gas out. And I don't yeah. care. <laughs> so, you know, and that's why people are upset. But it, it, I think it's a very interesting topic because I find that people that train in MMA are like, that's what a coach is supposed to do. And I find like the people that don't really train like myself or who do it just kind of leisurely are like, nah, like <laughs> that coach should have stopped the fight. But I don't know. It's a, it's a discussion about heart, really. And maybe the coach saw something that me and you didn't see. He trains the guy. Maybe he saw something in the kid that he was like, nah, you can do more. You can do better. So, to be honest with you, you've hit the nail on the head there. You're, you're right. I reckon Drysdale looked at that first round, and you know, considering that you know he got him to the ground, he got um, Hubbard to the ground, and you know he, he was having his way with him. He, he looked he, great he, in the first he, round. Yeah, right? took him down straight into side control. It was almost as though it, this was something that they drilled. Yeah. So I could see probably as you're you're saying there, Drysdale yeah. look at that first that first round. He said, "Look, do that." So in his head, he was he was trying to say, right, get wrestle. out there and yep. do that. Yes, exactly. I get it. You know, mm. poor kid. Hopefully he can bounce back from this too. Because, you know, like all the, you know, the Twitter um, psychologists and, and fake fighters are saying, <laughs> oh, his fight, you know, his fight career could be over. I'm still trying to figure out how, but I don't know. Some people are saying he didn't really need to take all that, you know, the beating that he took. So we'll see. And then um, I heard that some people are saying Dana was... Um, felt bad for him and, and thought that he had heart to quit and then I saw some other stuff where Dana frowned upon it so I'm unsure the jury's still out on that one so we'll see if he gets a second chance I will be very surprised if he gets another second chance because the way that Dana framed it was you know his manager came to um, Shelby and was like saying look this is the second coming of Christ okay maybe I'm embellishing <laughs> that ever so slightly but this guy you know he, he he's the new wave he's the new breed and then you know just, just this is a sentiment that Dana kind of like dropped yeah. and then he does that and I think in another interview I think it was with Brett Okamoto he said um, just look at Blades Blades could have quit after the third round he clearly gassed but he kept on going and just coupling those two sound bites together it doesn't look too good for Roshkoff Oh, that's unfortunate. I really like the first round. I think it takes balls, unfortunately. You know, to quit like that, you know, he, he knew his limit. He went for it. And I don't I don't really shame fighters for quitting. I really nah, don't. But it, it's guts. too dangerous. Yeah, it's too dangerous. They wind up with CTE later. Let's not, like, you know, ragdoll them or shit on them when they quit. So I hopefully Dana gives them a second chance. And plus, mm. I'm intrigued. I liked the first round. I thought, he was, I thought those transitions from ankle locks to leg locks and the grappling and his just aggression while going for those, um, you know, leg locks was pretty dope. So yeah. I'm in. No, you're right. You're right. Mm. Next up, Roxanne Modafferi versus Lauren Murphy. You know what? I think I said this on Twitter last night. Roxanne Modafferi, she, she, she gets shitted on, on regularly, but she is a class fighter. I mean, you saw yesterday, or you saw last night, her striking's I improved. Missed, I missed this fight, Mike. Oh, I you actually, saw- yeah, I missed I missed the first two off the break, and I wasn't able to catch up on the, um, the Modafferi fight, but I did see that she lost a decision, correct? Yeah, that's, that's oh, right. Man. I mean, in, in, in all well, honesty... Tell me what happened. Mm-hmm. I thought she gave a good account of herself in the first, but you could see in the second she took, I think it was a, a real stiff jab um, to the face. And you could see that she was on, on stanky legs. She was almost out, but she oh. recovered, you know, and yeah. to actually, you know, stay in the game and um, do what she did, considering, you know, she was almost out of it in the second. No, she gets ratings from me. Plus, you know, like I say, her, her striking's actually improved. It's improved a lot, and she's made some adjustments. Obviously, from the last time that she was uh, in cage, she's no longer, you know, relying on just her submission skills, oh, which no, is really she's, good to see. 
even in a loss, she's steady improving, and she's put on quite a bit of muscle. I follow her on Twitter, and she is really working out. Now, that is someone during a pandemic with gyms being closed and all this funny business with sheltering in place. That is a young lady that stayed fit. And I also think she's a fan favorite for me and for quite a few others because she's just like the polar opposite of what we're so used to, which is like, you know, drama and word. Uh, should we have a code of ethics? This, 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 and that. She's like a really nice person into anime and just funky, and it's such a breath of fresh air. But, <laughs> you know, like Laura, excuse me, Lauren Murphy is like on quite a surge right now. You know, she um, just had a win. win. Yeah. Mm. She's got that win streak. She just beat Andrea Lee, who was just surging. It was controversial, but she won. You know, she just, and she also beat Barella. She's on a surge right now. She's um, she's got a lot of momentum going. So she, I could see how she was able to pull this off. But I gotta go back and watch it. But I'm always, always rooting for Roxanne win or lose. You, know? you see, I've got to put my hand up that you know I've never been a big uh, Mother Fairy fan. You know, the Happy Warrior thing. I think I was speaking to you about this before. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything for me. But I've got a new found respect for her. The thing I would say though, just picking up on one thing that you said earlier, mm-hmm. her size she does need to get a bit bigger because it was noticeable that she yeah. struggled with Lauren Murphy's size yeah. I mean she she was being kind of like bossed around and bossed around you know in a pretty big way and like I say she she's was almost out it, there though. yeah she's working on it she's definitely put on some muscle mass I mean she's much bigger than she was before and a lot stronger and I can just see it from you know because I follow her closely like on IG and I can even see like her workout changes and whatnot and she's posting like you know like her fitness goals and stuff so she's gonna make her way up there definitely and I think um you know you you know you're not much of a fan favorite yet because it's just like she's bigger in the states and huge in Japan as well but like we just love her she's just honest you know what I mean She's just, she's just awesome. I love her. <laughs> did you catch the uh, Frank Camacho and Justin James? I um, sure did. I sure uh, did catch the performance of the of the night. Didn't Justin uh, in his debut? I think he got a little extra cheddar, baby. Like and I well was deserved. impressed. Yes, I was seconds. Yes, sir. And I'm a Frank Camacho fan. He's like. Um, Quiet is kept. He's one of my like prelim favorites. Like whenever I see him on the prelims, I dial in because he's just like a slobber knocker. Either he's knocking you out or he's going to sleep. And he tends to go to sleep pretty quickly though in the first round sometimes, which is what happened here too. But I mean, you gotta give it up to Justin James and this this debut, Mike. That killer instinct and him fighting in the pocket like that was beautiful. Beautiful. What'd you think? <laughs> well, thirty nine seconds is all it took for the second fastest KO from a debutant um, mm. in the UFC. And that was really beautiful to see. The left hook and yes. the overhand right, right man. In right in the pocket. What, mm. It was just so nice. And then, like, I love how Dean just couldn't take it anymore because Frank Camacho's on his way out while standing. Like, he's not there yet, but it's just he's in <laughs> zombie mode. And Dean just comes in there like it's over. And, and Justin is just thumping him up while he's standing. It was a, it was a hell of a KO. And what a statement to make for a debut. I didn't see any jitters. Well, exactly. And late notices at that. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. What a debut. He definitely deserved the extra money. Great mm. job. Yeah. I just wanted to speed along ever so slightly because there Go is ahead. quite a bit to get through and, you know, skip a few. Tisha Torres and uh, Brianna Van Buren. Our girl, Brianna Van Buren. <laughs> um, yes. Y- you know, th- the thing is this. Torres, hand speed closing the distance absolutely terrifying were you were you obviously were watching that i mean what did you oh, reckon yeah everything you just said you, t- you you took it right from me what i noticed the most was the speed advantage and the hand yeah. speed. it's just tisha torres just had an answer for her beautiful leg kicks to the body sometimes you know just beating her to the punch always staying in her face you know and but what i did notice what from van buren is just that strength in the clunch you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. she was just like you know, when she got enough of being thumped up at times, she was able to control Tisha, but it wasn't enough for her to pull the win. Tisha looked great. And I'm ready for Tisha to rematch Angela after this. Like, now I'm like, this is the Tisha that I know and love, and I'm, it's good to see her winning in this type of form. But go ahead, Mike. Well, there were some flashes of greatness from Van Buren. I mean, Absolutely. considering that she's the um, ex-Invector Strawweight mm-hmm. champ, one of my favourites, I have to say, was when she was trying to go for the takedown, so she had a hold of um, uh, Torres's uh, thigh. And uh, from nowhere, 
the elbow just reached up. Just oh, yeah, like I saw that. Flashed yeah. her in the face. And then not only did she do it, I mean, we're talking pinpoint accuracy here without even looking. She did it twice. Yeah. And I think I heard Bisbing, like he was in the middle of talking and it came out of nowhere because me and him jumped at the same time. Because I was like, holy shit, where'd that come from? Like, <laughs> And you were right. Like she was either holding like the single leg or like something and she dropped it to throw that elbow. And I was like, oh, and I wasn't ready. But it was it was like a little bit of a shocker. I, I can't say that when they announced this fight that I was ready to jump into it. But then once it started, I was like, man, I like this fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> what did you make of the curtain jerker for the main card? Clay Guida and uh, Bobby, Green, Bobby Green. Uh, I didn't really think too much of it. I just saw like two guys that I used to like watch to fight. You know what I mean? Like it's just... <laughs> I'm going to be painfully honest. I'm happy Bobby Green got the win. I'm not really the biggest Clay Guida fan. He's got some, like, memorable, you know, Hall of Fame fights, but I've never been a fan. And uh, But I'm happy to see Bobby Green walk away with it. But I wasn't really tripping off this fight. What'd you Man, think? if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Guida <laughs> is going to Guida. I mean, where does yeah. he get that energy from? Considering he is a vet, and, like, vet in the true sense of the word, where does he get that you know, Duracell bunny energy from. I have no idea. He just, it, it will never let up. But, I, you know, Bobby Green was able to kind of just, you know, outstrike him a bit and win him for this decision and, you know, and um, throw at some of these takedowns. But, I mean, Clay, like you said, is going to Clay Guida. He's just going <laughs> for the takedown. You know, what you, you know what you get when you fight him, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, before the actual main card took place, um, me, you, and the rest of the WoTV squad, we put together our picks. Now, Jim Miller versus Roosevelt Roberts. Roberts, obviously, um, you know, was dishing out Kool-Aid because the entire team was drinking, in- including you. And I was the only person out of the, what, five of us who went for Jim Miller. And you know what? There is no school like the old school. He went in there and it was a very, very old school. Quick, yep. quick one. Yep. Quick one submission. Brilliant. Correct. Wicked it to was, see. It was a. Uh, it was like old-fashioned, typical. Come out there, get the job done. Jim Miller yep. performance. And you're right. Like I was. I was drinking the bias Kool Aid of Roosevelt Roberts. He sold me when um, he choked out. Um, what's his name? Brock. Um, I can't remember his name. We just saw him fight in the last car, but he choked dude out. There you go. He choked out Brock Weaver. I'm high on this kid. I think he's a pretty decent fighter. And I just thought new school was going to beat old school here. And Jim told me to take a seat. You know? So (laughs) I will say this, though. I wasn't disappointed or upset with this win. You know, Jim is from the tri-state area. I've been watching him for years. So I was glad. Yeah, I was glad he shut my ass up. And I hope he keeps it up. He deserves it. You know? (laughs) What did you think of um, Bilal Muhammad and uh, Lyman Good? Oh, this one I want to pat myself on the back. I predicted that this would be the back and forth. (laughs) Barn burner. Yeah, you laugh. But I tweeted that. I was like, these two are going to go at it. And I think at the end, Bilal is going to sneak off with the decision because he's just like typical Bilal. He stays busy and he stays on your ass. And he's smart. He knows when to take a takedown. He knows when you're tired and when to go for the takedown. You know, like he takes a couple of shots and then he comes back with a few more for you. And I think that's what we saw. And he was able to, you know, pull this out from under Lyman. What'd you think? I love the late adjustment by Good. Mm -hmm. Albeit too little, too late, but... That was an incredible rally back, considering, you know, that for me was a real firefight. And man, um, considering what he went into the cage and, um, you know, the the heavy heart that he went in there with, he, he gave a really good account of himself, really good account of himself. Oh, yeah. I think um, what I liked most was the heavy shots that Lyman was was um, landing. Like, it caught my attention, you know? Like, mm. he, this guy hits hard. And I do like the rally back that you mentioned for him. But like I said, Bilal kind of knows when to turn it up, when to go for takedowns. And, and I predicted that he would sneak out the back door with this decision and, and good on him. And I'd like a step up in competition for him, you know? <laughs> What did you think of um, Raquel Pennington and uh, Marion Renault? Um, 43-year-old Marion Renault. Um, again, no school like the old school. Yeah, I mean, 
this fight didn't really do too much for me. Again, not a fan of either one, but it was a, a decent fight. And I think Raquel is just always a hard worker, somewhat of a bully. And, and, you know, once you get in that clinch with her, good luck. She's strong as an ox, bro. You know? So I, I don't think know. That's, I don't know. This did, this did something for me. The fact that, you know, this was kind of like a return for, to form for Pennington. Yeah, the fact yeah. that that left hook was in play. And it was yeah. really nice that um, considering... Uh, she is 43. Mary Renault moves like somebody who is like, you know, half her age. And it was fantastic to see. Yeah, she's a pure athlete. You know, like 43 years of age or not, she's been doing this and living a lifestyle of fitness for quite a while. And that shows, <laughs> you know, like, you're absolutely right. Like, I know about the 40s and stuff, and she does not look like a 43-year-old. Like, she doesn't move like one, you know. But hats off to Raquel. You know, she outstruck her. You know, all three rounds had um, more of the significant strikes and whatnot. I think um, Marion did, you know, have more takedowns in her. But, you know, Raquel did well. And Raquel's pretty freaking strong, bro. And she works hard. So I wasn't really... This fight didn't really get me going or, and you know, have me out of my mind. But Raquel, hats off to her. She did a really good job, you know? It was nice that, you know, uh, you know the the golden couple, Tisha Torres and uh, Raquel Pennington, right, both on the same card. secured the win. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and got a win because, you know... Obviously, that, that will fuck up the apple cart if one of them loses and, you know, right. the other one has to follow. Right. Like, what do you do at the after party? One is heartbroken, <laughs> one is, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Like, shit. But no, I, apparently. But, you know, it's COVID time. There is no after party. You know, a few of them probably got together in the hotel or some shit. So who knows? But I'm glad that they both got the win. What do you think yeah. of our uh, co-main event? Man, Josh Emmett. Mm-hmm. What a slugger. I mean, Shane Burgos, I have to say, um, both of them, both of them were throwing with lethal intention. No one went in there to take a back step. But you know what got my ratings? The chin of Burgos, the amount of time that that basically was a flush uh, left hook that just kept landing over and over again. And he didn't go down. Oh, no, he was eating poker faced as well. Yeah, at one point he even waved them on and kept coming forward. I mean, I, I, I think Shane Burgos has a chin that we all didn't see coming because most of the time when Josh Emmett drops those bombs, people go to sleep or they die. So yeah. the fact that Shane kept coming forward had me like, holy shit. But it also raised concern, and it's also the reason why he probably lost the fight. Josh Emmett was landing the harder and more significant strikes. And Shane Burgos, I, I don't know, I'm worried, man. You can't just always use your chin, you know, to rope a dope almost like a Muhammad Ali, or you just can't gauge someone's punches all the time with your chin. That's going to that's gonna add up to you some at some point in life. So I, I don't know, I'm a little nervous, but, man, what a tough kid. And I do think Josh won. I know people are screaming robbery for Shane. Nah, Josh, Josh won. What do you think? You know, I, I don't think many people or too many people are speaking about those leg kicks. They were spiteful oh, and yes. they were causing him serious mm-hmm. trouble. I mean, Emmett looked as though, you know, that leg was going to be taken out if, I don't know why, Burgos just like forgot about that in the in the, in the later rounds. But the, I, I was oh, speaking about, you Oh, the leg kicks are beautiful, you know, especially in the first yeah. and second. And then this, in the first uh, couple of seconds of the fight, one of those leg kicks impaired his, um, it injured his knee off the, off yeah. the rip. Mm. You know, and I do agree with you. He kind of let up on those leg kicks in the third round, but that was the round where Josh dropped him twice. So maybe he had a sense of urgency and just, you know, stopped going to the um, to the legs. But you know, Josh wore him out in the third round. But go ahead. I, mean, I, I was speaking about the selection of shots that um, Josh Emmett was using, but for me, his jab—how powerful must his jab be as a featherweight that he can floor a man not once but twice? With I mean, a jab, you know. It's unreal. I mean, it's, it's another thing that we often talk about is Josh Emmett's power, you know. And that's what this fight was about, Mike, mm. was that both are really good boxers. But one is a powerful boxer and one is a very quick and slick, you know, boxer. And he, although Shane Burgos is precise and he was landing, Josh Emmett was dropping the bombs throughout the whole fight. You understand? Like, he hits hard. When he throws a jab, you fall back, you know? So... It was a wonderful fight. I've heard even people talking about fight of the year potential, maybe. But the fans oh, love this. Yes, yes. You know. I, I would, I would definitely agree. I would definitely have this up there as one of my fights of the year. Oh yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, 
There was no wrestling here. I think um, Josh got one takedown, and people forget about that takedown. That's points, you know, that played a role in the win as well, even though it was just one takedown. If you check the stats, there is one, you know, and it was just a barn burner. I loved it, and I love Shane's attitude. It was just great. <laughs> Finally, at the top of the bill, Gates Blades versus Alexander Volkov. What did you reckon? I like the booth. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'm just going to be honest because I'm always honest. I like the drama afterwards with Dana more than I like this actual fight. I like that Dana was like a complete asshole and was just mm. like, you know, if you're going to talk all that shit, Curtis, you better come out and destroy the dude, which you didn't. And but it's I true, think Dana. It's true, but I think Dana's also doing that. You know, like, people like Curtis and Leon Edwards have to be careful because it's like, if they don't storch a guy but keep winning, Dana finds ways to be like, I'm not giving you a title shot. It's a dickhead move. Like, he won. He's in title contention. Like, (laughs) stop. I get it. He's a wrestler. It doesn't appeal. It doesn't sell. But you just can't keep people from title shots because they don't fucking sell all the time. We need to know who's the best. But Curtis not being able to beat Francis is more of an issue than him being boring. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, let's yeah. keep it real, Dana. Like, you have a bigger issue on your hands, but I don't know. What, what, tell me, Mike, what'd you think? What I hated was that he told us what he was going to do before he got in there. He told us on Twitter, look, if y'all expecting a 25-minute stand-up war, I mean, words to the effect of, look, just skip the main event. And that's exactly what happened. He was, oh, talking, was, well, he was talking a good game about ragdolling. And that's where yeah. I totally agree with what Dana was saying. Look, you talk shit and um, you didn't deliver. You look a bit stupid. Yeah, and he was like, I thought he was going to die in the post-fight speech. His lip was ripped in half and he could barely breathe. I was like, yo, he's in cardiac arrest. Cut the interview, bro. <laughs> like, he's going down like Dada. Like, please, bro. Like, get him out of there. But yeah, um... No, no, no. I didn't really care for this fight, but a win is a win. I respect that. And his wrestling is top notch. And he did what he had to do to to beat Alexander Volkov. Volkov has the hands to put him out. This isn't Junior Dos Santos. He's not going to make those mistakes that Curtis was able to capitalize on. No, he's going to take him to the ground and beat the shit out of him. And I think that's what happened. And it wasn't tantalizing. It wasn't, you know, that exciting. But a win is a win. And Dana's going to be a dick, you know, but... (laughs) <laughs> what are you going to do? Who do you think Curtis should fight next, though? That's the real issue. Well, I agree with Dana. There's no title shot uh, <laughs> until he does fight at least one or even two more people. And I yeah. agree with Dana as well. Look, don't come to the dance uh, or before the dance and tell people how this is going to be a shit show and that you know, they should skip it after you talk so much trash. Right, I, right, I, right. That didn't impress me. That didn't impress me at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I see it both ways, but it's like I don't, I didn't really have any expectations of Curtis Blades. I think majority of the time this is how he fights. And I wasn't really having expectations, even though he just smoked Junior Dos Santos, but a lot of them have been smoking Junior Dos Santos lately. So I just, I don't know, I didn't get too excited about him fighting Alexander Volkov. I just kind of wasn't really expecting a barn burner and I didn't fall for whatever he said before the fight. Like Dana did because he's really big mad, but I wasn't. <laughs> but you, <laughs> you asked know. me who who he should fight. I think I think Greg Cardi should step up. Yeah. Think about th- it. He he's fought Volkov. Yep. Yep. He sure has. He probably should, but you know, like um, Greg Hardy is on like that developmental favoritism plan. So his opponents are, you know, you know, picked diligently. So we will, we shall see, but I don't know, Mike, I think dudes need to like learn a lesson from this. I think right now we're fighting during the Corona Olympics, which means like things are already pretty complicated. People are complaining Mm -hmm. about not getting paid well. So I think like, if you're going to talk big shit, like Curtis blades, you might want to deliver, you know, like (laughs) I do, I do feel you like, you know, I'm a purist. I don't mind that he wrestled, but I think with all the exigent circumstances going on with the fighting right now and all the drama going on, fighters really need to capitalize on things right now. You know, you need to make a name for yourself. And if you're going to say that you're going to beat the shit out of somebody and if you want a quick turnaround, especially during the coronavirus Olympics and or you want to be a late replacement and slide in someplace, beat the shit out of somebody. So thank you. I get it. I did. Especially now with like COVID fighting. We, we, he had to, you know, get an island. He had to rent something right now. And, and you just saw, what's it called? Um, 
Roosevelt Edwards, right? He just fought Jim Miller, correct? Roosevelt Roberts. Yeah. He just, it was a quick turnaround. He's available. He's good to go. I think if you guys want quick turnarounds and you, you want money or you want a title shot, beat up whoever you want in front of you. You know, mm. you'll get what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a few items of mail to go through. Um, let me just queue up the first one, which is from our man, Aaron Jackson. Okay, let's do it. Hello, this is Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. Welcome back, G. We missed you greatly. And happy Father's Day to you, Mike. My oh, question for you this week is about Curtis Blades. When are we as fans going to start recognizing the dominance of this man's wrestling <laughs> rather than... <laughs> salty and he's smothered another great striker I mean he absolutely wiped the floor with Volkov and I see people in my mentions talking about lay and pray or hug and hope and all kind of other nasty shit I'm like there's a whole ass sport called kickboxing that exists with no wrestling if you hate it so much Um, that's my question when does Curtis Blades get his due that's the question Love y'all. Put it this way. If if you don't want a title shot, you can wrestle all you like and you can lay and pray all you like and you can smother people all you like. But this is what I was really impressed by because I thought the game plan was, okay, come out there first round, wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. That's going to kind of like, you know, put all of your weight on um, Volkov. He's got to shift that. And in the next round, in the second round, that's when you come out and get on his blazer. And that's what he did. Mm-hmm. And then I think either the plan went to shit because his cardio um, yeah, was out third, the window. Third round, or, he was a or, bust. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or um, I I'm really don't want to go with this one. Or the whole plan was just to lay and pray. Listen, I think the whole plan was to lay and pray. I think you don't oh, you, you don't mess around <laughs> with somebody who has hands like Volkov. Like Volkov yeah. is not Greg Hardy. Volkov is an experienced veteran that can, you know, sneak away with a fight real quick. Or, or he's a tough dude. He was winning against Derek Lewis before he got knocked out. You know, like he put up a good fight against. Um, you know, Verdum, he's arguably one of the best heavyweights in the UFC, you know, like, mm. so Volkov is not to be played with. However, I think the fans will respect him, um, Aaron, when he can wrestle, lay and pray on Francis Naganu. If he wrestle praising him <laughs> instead of getting knocked out by him every time he fights him, <laughs> the fans will respect the wrestling and Dana will have to give him a title shot. So hopefully he can use his lay and pray wrestling on Francis and nullify him and finally beat him. Or the fans are just really not going to respect him because his style is not you know appealing to the eye and then he has this guy in front of him named Francis that he just can't beat so he's got some roadblocks ahead of him he's got a style that's not cute and then he he's got a nemesis that he can't beat so (laughs) I don't know if I was Curtis Blades I'd be pretty blown you know that's a that's a hell of a predicament so I'd I'd work on my hands a bit and and, and really strategize to really try to get like a KO and and make a lot of noise you know he's got a game plan here to to self-promote as well Hmm. okay so next up is Smokey J yeah (laughs) you gotta let him you know Is, is he drinking water no, he's not drinking water, you know? He's taking a nice deep hit. Go ahead. <laughs> hey there, Wokast. Smokey J here from Australia. I've got a question for you. I just want to know who you guys want to see on the cover of UFC 4 when it comes out. That's all. Thanks, guys. Bye. He's <laughs> such a fool. <laughs> That was amazing. Right. I've never yes. heard audio from Smokey J before. I have. And that was a... Mike's like, is he drinking water? No, he's smoking his bong, baby. His name is Smokey <laughs> J, Mike. You better get with it. Okay. I, I thought he was into barbecuing. No, he took a deep hit for the broadcaster. Don't disrespect that man weed like that, yo. <laughs> As to who should be on the front cover, I would say it's arguable that... There isn't one person 
that can fill this spot apart from Amanda Nunes? Oh, I thought you were going to say Conor McGregor and I was going to ah, come, come through on. the phone. No, I, because you love him so much. I was going to come through the phone and slap you because the answer is Amanda Nunes because she yeah. has defended her belt unlike anybody else in the history yes. of the UFC. She's a two-time yep. champ. She's mm. pro- arguably the best woman fighter, blah, 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 Peach. blah, blah. We, we say yep. it all the time. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it again. She's got two yep. belts on her shoulder. She defended the shit twice. She's beating up everybody. She's beating up everybody, body, 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 body. Cyborg <laughs> Yeah, like just put her on the damn video game. Let that mm. baby live. Killer. Yeah, and then nobody didn't want to promote her at first. Remember, she was like, but guys, I'm great. I'm silly. I'm gay. You can promote me. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, I got all these things going for me. Nope, they ignored her. So she beat yep. the shit out of everybody, and now everybody like her. You know, so no, 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 it's <laughs> yes. too late. Give her the video game and let her have her kid in peace and do whatever she wants, you know? Mm. Preach, yeah. Yes, amen. <laughs> now, I, I deliberately built that up because <laughs> 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 I knew you'd think that's where I was going, but nah. I did. I was Definitely. like, oh, man, I'm going to choke him out, yo, <laughs> if I ever meet this dude. <laughs> you know, just before we wrap up, I, I'm just intrigued, um, your whole uh, thoughts on... You know, obviously, what is now a, a global protest in the uh, Black Lives Matter, and um, you know what's actually happening in your part of town. Um, I'm just intrigued on on your thoughts on it all. Oh, I f- I fully support um, the protesting for the Black Lives Matter. And I think even though we're in a global pandemic and it's really dangerous to do so, I think that more power to those kids that are going out there and doing this and trying to be safe as possible with masks and whatnot, which is also another thing that they need to be appreciated for. You know, when you yeah. when you see the, the protests, it looks as if the Black Lives Matter and also the national protests about racism, everyone is doing the right things according to the CDC. And I don't think enough people talk about that. And that's why mm. you're not going to see their numbers spike coronavirus as much as like when people were protesting for haircuts or when they were protesting to not wear masks. You'll see numbers um, go up on their side a little bit more. But however, I support the protests. And in New York, they're still protesting. I know the media, Mike, is kind of like it's not the big thing right now, you know. It's very quiet. No, they're still protesting. No coverage whatsoever. Yeah, because they're still protesting. And actually, in some areas in the South, they are ripping down statues. I just saw one come down yesterday. I don't know where. In New York, the statues that we have, the doctor of gynecology, I forget his name off the top of my head, I'd have to Google it, and also Columbus are being protected by NYPD. So we weren't able to take down our racist statues in New York, but they're going down in the States. And although, Mike, I agree with them coming down because it's a symbol it's a symbol of, you know, um, inferior oppression. Right, oppression and that we were inferior. And white supremacy. Exactly, but white supremacy. we cannot lose mm. focus on what we really need change, which is those are symbols of racism. We actually need law to change. So it's good that the symbols yeah. are coming down, but it irritates me to hear that Black Lives Matter is painted on the same street where there is no running water in Flint, Michigan. Like that's the stuff that I look, I frown upon. Let's not paint it murals wow. and stuff. And meanwhile, they're still lead in the water. That's not Black Lives Matter, you mm. know. So let's not get caught up in painting murals and taking down statues when we need to change law, you know, and and hold police so what's, accountable. What, but go ahead. What, what's your what's your take on the the whole protest day? Because there are those in the corner that say, okay, we need to get a little bit violent here. We need to, you know, burn down uh, buildings and we need to loot and we need to make a, a big ruckus. And basically, what we need to do is to, um, well, forget this peaceful. We shall overcome, well, and uh, let's all sing Kumbaya. I don't, we need to get a little, I think, bit, little bit violent. I think folks that are angry about the situation and resorting to violence. And whatever that violence is, I think it's the voice of the people, some people. And I think also it's also the dregs of society that are just caping for, you know, like they're, yeah. they're you know, they're, because don't get me wrong. there it, it isn't just there are criminals amongst us. There are also people that are upset and out there doing things that they never thought they'd do before. But they're upset. They're unemployed. They're scared of Corona. Yeah. And then they saw a black man piss himself and cry for his mother. So you mm-hmm. have that. Mm-hmm. And it's called the voice of the people. And sometimes that leads to civil unrest. And then you have the dickheads, the planted white supremacists, people that are just like, I'm just going to. Or the Joe Schmo person that put on a bandana and went and got a TV. 
You know what I mean? So you have that too, but they don't represent the movement. Those are not the kids in the mass that actually are upset about George Floyd and the countless others. So I separate mm. the two. But I also say this, Mike, if you keep ignoring what the people want, which is equality and justice, well, then they're going to start burning things so that you start listening. I don't, I don't condone it, but it's like this is what happens in the United States when you keep ignoring people. They get mad yeah. and they burn shit. And then the criminals come out and they help them burn shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so mm, mm. America needs to start listening or they're going to start burning your backyards and shit. And that's not what I want. But y'all keep ignoring us. But I don't know, Mike. I see I it's know. also spread to your parts of town as well. I heard the podcast with your friends <laughs> that go hard, by the <laughs> but, way. But, Shout out to them. Wonderful episode. But you see, too. that that that's where I think we need to be on a global level because you're right. It's spread here. And over here, it's about police brutality. Yes, mm-hmm. it's about social economic conditions as well as um, institutionalized racism. But there is a growing movement over here for reparations. And I personally, I, I 100% support that. When you look back, this all stems from slavery. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. When you displace a people, when you subjugate a people, when you oppress a people, historically socioeconomically and continue to do basically. so present day people forget about that there are laws yeah. in place that still do the very things that you just said yes yes and when you have the beneficiaries of that legacy profiting off it today, right whether they're aware of I it or not ask. yes <laughs> i have to i have to ask okay where is our compensation when you compensated those people who lost slaves and that is they had their slave privileges taken away from them because slaves were quote-unquote emancipated right. where's our exactly. payment where's our emancipation um, financially but not only that we can talk about um you know putting things on an equal footing in terms of rights and you know having um better conditions but i really do feel we need to address the elephant in the room and that is the psychological and um, chains of slavery still have ramifications today because of what happened um, way back in the 1800s. Now, for me, until that becomes part and parcel of a louder conversation, I feel we're going to be revisiting this in, say, about 18 months to two years. Now, the way that I look at it is this. We seem to have this as a cyclical um, subject matter in terms of equal rights, in terms of equal footing. I mean, if you look at the Watts rights, if you look at what happened in the 60s, mm-hmm. if you look what happened in the 70s, if you look what happened in the 80s, this seems to be a recurring theme. We need to get to the heart of the issue. Yeah. And until that is done, we're going to keep revisiting these same things. Yeah, it'll keep happening. That's what I mean by, like, America, the people want change, and the majority of the people want change. And you see that this has transcended into... When people say Black Lives Matter, then people say All Lives Matter. I kind of want to be like... They kind of speak for All Lives Matter. It's just, I just feel like the logo was Black Lives Matter. Like, I've actually pulled up articles on Black Lives Matter marching for um, a white kid that got shut unjust by the police. Like, Black Lives Matter ultimately is for everybody. We want accountability for when a police officer or anybody, or if these laws are unjust to you, black, white, Hispanic, no matter what, we want them changed. We want equal ground. So, you know, I think we're going to be dealing with this for a long time because a certain group of people are just not really used to change and they don't want to share, Mike. And, you know, we, we are begging for that and it's going, to, it's going to change. And if they keep ignoring us, Mike, we got to hold on here because we might see a lot of civil unrest if, if they don't do something and fast, you know. You know, I can see it getting that way yeah. because, like I say, I think underpinning all of this is white supremacy. Yeah. Think about it. If we are campaigning for change, it challenges white supremacy. It unseats white supremacy. Right. And, and, and it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. uncomfortable. It unroots your, your white privilege. It makes you atone for things as well. A lot, of people, a lot of white people, just they don't even want to talk about race. They want to move on because they're just like, I don't want to deal with this. These are not my ancestors. I didn't do it. I didn't yeah. own slaves. But you benefit from a system that once owned slaves Thank to you. this day. You're still benefiting from that. You're not the person mm. that is going to be accused of being a criminal and then shot because you're reaching from a comb because of that system. 
So work with us here so that we can change that so that we can all be free and also not some some groups of people, Mike, are living in terror in their own country. It's not fair. Yeah. Black people yeah, should not true. be scared to like go for a jog or to have their my nephew came over the other day. He wears a hoodie inside. It drives me fucking crazy. He wears a hoodie in 90 degree weather. And every time he I, he visits me, I think about Trayvon in that damn hoodie. And my nephew yeah. is like such a little cutie pie that wouldn't he can't even like kill a roach, but wears a hoodie. And I can't believe someone would think that he would steal and maybe try to fight him and then wind up killing him. It's so scary. So mm-hmm. give us our due, give us our freedom, give us our like our protection. I want to feel safe in my own country, and too bad we got you got to share. Exactly, yep. exactly. Well, anything else that you wanted to bring to the table before we close? I just want to rub in your face that Alexander Gustafsson is coming back to the UFC, and <laughs> on my third episode on the show, I said he would, and you damn near argued with me about that. And I just want to be like, ha ha, he's coming back. I told you he would. I, I literally I literally shitted on that thought. <laughs> yes, you're right. I, <laughs> and I have to eat crow. Yes, you were absolutely right. I told you right. that man was 100%. coming back. He's a fighter. And then he got bored. He got kids and shit. He got tired. He was like, I'm going back to work. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh, and also, Mike, before we go, happy mm. Father's Day. Your kids are so lucky to have you, okay? And oh, thank Father's you. Day. That's really nice of you. I'm, I'm actually sitting here in my, um, my, my wonderful present, which... Uh, the boys, I think it was, I think it was uh, my other half, my, my missus, who got this. But uh, it was from them. It's uh, it, one of my favorite detectives on the planet, Columbo. Oh, oh. So it's a Columbo t-shirt. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, I love Columbo too. Oh, that's so sweet, Mike. I love Columbo. Well, happy Father's Day. Enjoy <laughs> your day, and I'm happy to be back. We'll talk on Wednesday, right? Oh, one more thing. What's that? See what I did there? No. Oh, we gotta make no, trouble. Didn't get it. <laughs> No, 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 no. See, Columbo. Anyway, until next time, make some trouble. <laughs> gotcha. Try, 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 try.